Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. another episode of WA Expose, a podcast about local arts by local artists. As always, I'm your host, Aria Scarlett, with the immense privilege of recording this podcast on Wajak Noongar Budja. Today's guest is most known for their shape-shifting costume work, spoken word lip-syncing abilities, and their iconic Fringe World Festival productions. An incredible drag artist from Perth with a plethora of skills, awards, and accolades to their name spanning across the last 12 years, including the Martin Sims Award in 2022 and multiple touring awards for their one-person show, Split Lip. Embarking on the next chapter of their incredible career, they are now preparing to debut at Edinburgh Fringe, celebrating the 10-year anniversary of their production company, Gender Mess Productions. I'm, of course, talking about Geneva. How are you, Geneva? I'm feeling really good and very excited. I've been wanting to do this podcast for quite a while. I've been wanting to have you on for a hot minute, and this time I said your name correctly. Yes. (laughs) What? I haven't been voice noticing all of my friends being like, did I do it right this time? Hello? Look, it's the closest I've ever heard it that's been... That's been wrong. I've been called, like, um, uh, Genovia. um, Oh, from the Princess Diaries. Yeah, and I've also, like, once um, someone called me uh, Guano. Oh, where did they get those letters from? I don't know. They just saw the G and the H and the vowels and thought, yeah, Guano. Thank you so much for uh, validating my botch. I am am very batshit, so it's fitting. Just Yeah, totally just justifying my entire botch work right there. We've got it. Yeah, sure. (laughs) I'm going to try and stick with my my apparent one question that I'm supposed to ask, but Mm -hmm. we all know that I don't do that. Uh, Why drag? Uh, Um... Well, I think because, like, I, just like many performers, I had a background in something. So my background was dancing. Mm. Then um, throughout my career, I guess in my early teenage years and getting into the workforce, I tried different things. So um, I'm a qualified hairdresser by trade. But then I also tried, um, it was like a term in fashion design, um, an unfinished but finished um, Certificate 3 in music, right. um, electronic music production. Cool. Um, and makeup artistry. So I, I kind of tried all different things. Mm. But then it wasn't until I discovered drag that I thought, oh, all these kind of skills and attributes and things that I'm interested in all feed into the one yeah, um, totally. uh, professional or, or uh, discipline, mm. I guess you'd say. Completely. And so, yeah, it's – and I think – any drag artist can attest to this, that we are our own directors, producers, choreographers, makeup artists, fashion designers, mm-hmm. music editors, choreographers. And the ultimate slashy. <laughs> yeah, so this, so the slushy kind of feeds every facet of what I love to do creatively and 
Yeah, it's been doing pretty good for me so far. It's been doing all right. Yeah, you've done, <laughs> yeah. You've done a couple of things here and there. Yeah, you Just know. a couple of things people not know you for. Uh, what made you pick uh, Geneva as like a creature rather than what we call like tra- more traditional drag avenues? Well, I did have an, my original drag name was Avergin. <laughs> cool. Like, so it could be That's like so you know, a virgin. Mm, great. <laughs> or um, Ava, Avergin, like Avergin and Tony. Yeah. Um, but then. So I started drag in 2011, and uh, it was called uh, Queen of the Court back then, mm-hmm. and I won that. It's now called Crown of the Court. Uh, when I started getting into the kind of beginnings of my drag career, getting h- hired for gigs and uh, kind of trying to figure out what influenced me, and mm. uh, I preferred to do more of the club kid alternative songs and more effed up type stuff. and. Yeah. When people would call me Ava, it didn't really quite sound right yeah. to the ear. So I thought Gin Ava had a bit more of an androgynous, like, kind yeah, of sound totally. to like, you know, the masculine Gin and the feminine Ava. Yeah. And um, uh, coincidentally, and this is kind of by accident, but it kind of works so well, that um, Gin Ava is an anagram of vagina. Oh, is it now? Yeah. <laughs> and something like, yes, I so didn't know So I like know to that. use okay. the, the tagline, no, Geneva, and just like my name suggests, I'm a scrambled idea of a woman. <laughs> scrambled? <laughs> I love, I love that. Anagram. We love eggs. Yeah. Yeah, when I started out, it, and the reason why I kind of got into the style I got into is um, when I started, I was trying to go for the more commercial type drag, and mm. I just kept getting told, like, you're not good enough, you're, uh, you know, you're not pretty enough, you're mm. not doing this right, you're not wearing this, you know, you're not, you don't have your boobs, you don't have your legs, just all the stuff that you're supposed to have, you know, that drag rule book. Yeah. That checklist. And... Um, there was a point where I had gotten hired for so many gigs, like for, you know, that, uh, the court hotel and connections. And then all of a sudden, like by the, cause I won, so just as the timeline goes, one crown of the court in November mm-hmm. and then got a whole bunch of gigs up until February and then nothing. Oh, okay. And then, um, I can say this, I was afraid to tell this story a while ago, but then I've kind of, we've the person who's involved in this story, we've now gotten closure. Mm. So I don't think she'll mind me telling the story. Um, basically, when it came to February, I messaged who was in charge at the time, Hannah Conda. Mm. And I was like, yeah, so what's going on? I'm not getting hired for much. I've done this many Friday shows and New Year, Christmas, like all the events, like what's going on? She goes, well, we feel like your drag is not quite up to par. We feel like you should do six more months of Drag Factory before we consider hiring you again. Oof, ouch, okay. And I thought... Okay, I've won the main drag competition in Perth mm. and I've been hired this many times by you and then all of a sudden now I'm not up to par. Yeah. If I'm not up to par, then how come you didn't hire me for this what stuff? What happened? And so I basically thought in that moment, okay, well, I can either continue trying to prove them, like trying to um, gain their approval by doing the drag that they want me to do by, you know, polishing my femininity and mm. blah, blah, blah. But I found that very limiting in how I could express myself artistically because, you know, by the time you look a certain way and then, you know, what is there to change your eye makeup, colour and wig and that's yeah. how – it felt limiting at the time. Yeah, completely. So then, and there are already so many people who do that – who tick that box so well. Yeah, and they're great at it. And yeah. that's thing, like, everyone's good at their thing. I know totally. I'll never be as that sort of queen Yeah, because it doesn't feed me Yeah, uh, artistically. It doesn't, like – it doesn't re- 
you know, it doesn't feed my soul. Yeah, and if it's not feeding your soul, then don't add to it. Like, yeah. it wouldn't add to that genre. Um, but then, as um, but then, so the contemplation was, I can either keep trying to do the drag that they want me to do and not be satisfied because it's not feeding my soul, mm. or I can do the drag that I want to do, even if it means getting the disapproval of my peers, audiences, whatever, because in turn, I never had that in the beginning. Mm, like, yes. So that's saying, um, uh, rock bottom is the foundation in which I rebuilt my drag persona. Oh, I like that. I want that on the it's shirt. It's like when you have, it's like it, when you have nothing, you have nothing to lose. Mm. I didn't have the approval in the beginning, so I didn't have to lose their approval now because I never had it in the beginning. So I could basically start from scratch. And where did you go from there? Like, what was your next well, production? My next, so. <laughs> The moment I had that kind of like epiphany moment, <laughs> I go to Drag Factory and I do um, Bjork, Bjork's um, All is Full of Love. Oh my goodness. And I look like Samara from The Ring, the little girl from The Ring. Great. So I basically sit down in a chair, potato sack, like pillowcase dress, mm. like painted my whole body pale white and long black wig. I basically just sat there and lip synced the song. And then the moment when she starts to kind of like wail a little bit, I'd pull out some scissors and then I'd just start cutting my hair. Amazing. And imagine like this is at the time where no one, it was very like particular sort of drag that was being performed. Mm -hmm. And it's, you know, it was a reaction of that audience. Just as I'm cutting my hair sitting there, I could actually just kind of scan the room and see everyone watching and their faces were just like in shock horror you know, hands over the mouth, some were laughing out of discomfort. Yeah. It was just such a, like, for, my own ego was like, oh, I've never had this reaction before. I kind of like it. Like, oh, interesting. And it was yeah. at the point where the song had finished and um, there was such a brief moment of silence. You could hear a pin drop because, wow. like, no, everyone was like, oh, what do we do now? And then the host, you know, Hannah Connor was like, oh, uh, please give it up for Ava Jin. Oh, my God. Um, And this is the, this is how, like, the, turning points start to have oh, the moments in my life that I'm kind of go okay this is like a key moment mm. so that same night the second number because for drag factory you do, you do two too. numbers so the second number was declare independence by Bjork mm-hmm. had a full red latexy type like army outfit you know one of the ones you get from leg avenue great we love <laughs> you know yes get it where you can get it <laughs> um you know I'm just like fully fit, fist pumping like going crazy on the stage the instant I get off the stage um, I'm approached by um, John Vanderhoor, who's a um, you know brilliant photographer and mm. um, at the time was friends with um, Ash Baroque. Wow. And he was like, oh, my God, you know, have you heard about uh, Ash Baroque and Vlad de and you should really get in touch. You know, I think you're right up their alley. You know, we loved your performance. And it's kind of like, oh, okay. So then I start, Then I got into contact with, you know, Vlad de and then got mentored by Ash Baroque and wow. Stryker Meyer and then... Everyone should be writing these names down. This is your Google homework. Yeah, Ashbrook and Stryker Meyer. Yeah. They are the, they are the, yeah, words can't describe. They are my mentors. They are, they showed me that drag performance can have beauty in things that are ugly. Mm, yes. And that the expression of drag is a very large spectrum. It's not mm. just pretty. It can be ugly. It can be. Uh, not human it can be conceptual it can be anything Mm, completely yeah so from there from that moment because obviously the impact that you had on that audience I don't know if I've ever had or seen personally at least that moment of 
an audience at the court shutting up <laughs> yeah, <laughs> ever. Right, yeah. So that would have been so powerful. Do you go, right, now I'm starting my own production company, I've got to do a fringe show? Like, how did, that's a big right. jump to well, make. Yeah, well, so, because um, in terms of the timeline of that, so um, at this point it's now 2012, mm-hmm. and I do a few things with um, Von Levy. What also kind of, like, um, Barbecue did give me um, gigs for Pop Thursday. Yeah. You know, every now and then. Um, this is back when Pop used to do... Um, Miniature production shows, but each week would be a featured artist. Ah, uh, yeah, So, like, yeah. three drag performers, and then they would do a tribute to, say, Aqua or Venga Boys or Kelly Clarkson oh, or the Christina. <laughs> yep. Um, which I want to circle back to that later on because I think we those should. are very important. Yes. Things, anyway. Um, but then, yeah, there was a point where um, Ashbrook had kind of taken a break mm. and saying with Striker. So, Fred Levy had taken a break. And then I was approached by um, the Monarchy DJs who created um, Richard, Le Club, mm, all those kind of um, yeah. dance events in Perth. And they said, oh, you know, we're doing this gig. It's going to be at the bakery. It features Mike Q, DJ. I'm like, ooh. And then I said, oh, I'd like to, yeah, I can probably get something together. And then. I How long that, did you have? Was it a tight turnaround? A few weeks. Yeah. yeah. So, I, so I found four friends. One of them was a drag performer-ish, one of, so, like, and they consisted, like, one of them was um, Isla Rose. So Isla Rose is now, like, you know, big, you know, YouTube yes. now, but at the time, like, it was basically, like, trying to find friends, like, hey, I'm going to give you some costumes, let's dress up and act like idiots, and I'll give you, Love. like, you know, a, I'll pay for your drinks, I'll give you some drink tokens. <laughs> yeah. And they're like, yeah, okay, so um, the theme was, you know, they basically, the event had set up this table, and it was all, like, an opulent the theme was opulence. Mm. I thought, okay, how can I interpret the theme opulence? Okay, I'll dress in full, you know, Marie Antoinette Rococo kind of garb. Yes. I had someone dress up as um, Betty Davis. Love. Someone dressed up as the Pope. And then someone <laughs> dressed as a, like, five, six-year-old girl at a birthday party. Great. Princess in birthday party. Like, just smeared lipstick on the face. Like, sh- High on like, sugar, really, like, yeah. Like, Princess Peach meets Cinderella, but just, like, yeah, you yeah. know, mm-hmm. like gluttonous kind of yes. vibe. <laughs> yeah, we basically just weld the room and then um, the next week is when I done, um, it was the, called the event Richard the Last at Connections and I put together an event, uh, performances that had uh, <sighs> myself, Katja Kokoff, uh, Anaphylaxis, Ferocious, and Anita Valium. Mm. And the five of us kind of did um, two two different numbers. One of them was um, called The Creation. Kachikov basically <laughs> painted herself from head to toe in white and then stood on a podium looking like a mannequin. Oh, my God, if anyone could, it's her. That's so And funny. then we go through this painting, like, you know, literal, like, performance art sequence where we'd have, like, you know, spray cans. We'd spray, like, graffiti on her body and then um, squirt guns filled with face <laughs> paint and then we'd have glitter and we'd paint her face and then she'd come to life and then we'd like tie her up in feather boas. Oh my god. Just alter the sounds of um uh like Ed Ed Banger Records music. What? You know, like that like Ed Rec volume two. The juxtaposition there is so funny. Yeah. And then the second number that we did that night, and then we basically got off stage, we kind of cleaned ourselves up. I'm like, okay, so next number we're gonna do we basically decide we're gonna do um I Eat Cannibals by Toto Coelho. Work. And we made our dresses 10 minutes before we went on stage because um, in the music video they wear trash bag yeah. covered dresses. Like, 
okay, let's just do that. We, do that. <laughs> we literally got like tape and just type. So there's images of us like just How do you have 80s witchy to... poo hair. Yeah, wow. But that was the kind of the vibe of the, you know, that was all, it was all just over the top camp expressionist type performance. Mm. But these are performance art pieces. And these are not it, traditional yeah, And that's why, it's, you know, in terms of the, the, um, lack of polish kind of worked in its favor and that was kind of the point it was sort of you know the motivations at the time were anti-drag yes, okay, or anti what everyone was doing at the time yeah. it's kind of like the the, the yin and the yang like mm. this is the opposite of okay and it also kind of helped entice other drag performers to kind of try things out with me yeah what's the opposite of winged eyeliner <laughs> yeah like hey if you want to do something that's a bit different mm. and you don't have to you know, put too much effort into it, so to speak, in terms of, look, you know, let's just learn this number and let's have just a camp fucking good time. Yeah, the effort and the energy balance in terms of, like, most of it, for a lot of the time, it probably ends up in the physical appearance of something, whereas your energy is always the actual number first and the look secondary at that point. Yeah, that sort emotional of right? motivation. Yes, perfect. It's yeah. like I've always been a believer in if you – had six drag performers of varying mm -hmm. degrees of polish. Yes. And you gave them all the exact same wig and the exact same, like, hypothetically, like a potato sack dress. Mm -hmm. You give them all the same look. Who would come out on top? Yeah. And a lot of times people are so dependent on how they look mm. and the polish of, you know, they spend so many years, like, perfecting their look, but they can't perform for shit. But then I am more so drawn to the ones that can perform because, you know, the essence of how you perform is more important than how you look because you can you can polish a look later. Yeah, you true. can't really teach someone how to have an essence of like how to have stage presence. You know, yeah, because you always notice the ones when they are first starting out, mm -hmm. especially in the years that I've seen. Like the very first time I saw Veronica Jean Jones. Oh my god! Yeah, she was only seventeen, and this was at like um, Leadville HQ for, an, for a youth um, yeah. disco thing, and she did um, "Only Girl in the World" by Brianna, <laughs> and I'm like. Oh, wait until she turns 18. She's going to just... And she did. Every single drag factory that she did, from the day she turned 18, she had won. And then... Yeah, wow. And it's been the same with, like, um, I even remember Sassy Cassie's mm. first time. And then she did Sissy That Walk by RuPaul in just, like... Like, oh, my God. Like, I don't even know how to describe it. Like, Liza Minnelli Cabaret, but, like... <laughs> A black bodysuit and a hat. <laughs> but not even that, not even like a brown bus driver. It was just like, oh it was. Oh my God, funny. Like someone was like an old, not old, like, you know, like a 50 something year old woman, you know, I'm going to go to this dress up party as Liza Minnelli. <laughs> That's what it looked like. But again, but again, she performed the F out of that yeah. number and it was like, okay, she's wondering what, like, you can always tell the ones that, that are going to explode. That are going to explode because. Again, the, the 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 visuals come later. Mm. But the essence of how they perform is undeniable. Yeah, and it's already there. Yeah, is that something that when you created Gender Mess Productions and you started doing these like group shows, is that what you would look for first? Yeah, because in the same vein, it was how I was being judged by my mm. peers or the ones who were in charge of creating shows. You know, for Court and Connections, it was like. I'm not up to par, but I know I can perform. Mm. doesn't matter how I look. I know I can perform, and I feel like that's being overlooked. Is that where, like, the giant headpieces came in too? Because, like, you're quite clearly, like, really throwing the whole idea of look out the window if you bring your entire face with you in a box. Yeah, well, that's – yeah. It Like, I think through my discovery of 
more or less breaking the rules. I was kind mm. of just crossing different things off the list. Like, okay, so <laughs> looking like a woman, cross that off the list. I don't have to do that anymore. Yeah. Okay, so they're saying I have to wear a certain type of makeup. Okay, I'm going to do messy makeup. Mm. Okay, what if I cross off the list? I don't have to wear makeup at all. Yeah. yeah. And then I don't even have to look human. I don't even have to. It just kind of, you know, by eliminating all the rules, quote, mm. unquote, that drag performers have to do, then you become your own artist because you're not limited by anything yeah by the rules of what body proportions have to be by rules of what femininity or masculinity is yes completely i think masculinity and femininity or in terms of drag how i like to define drag is as long as there's some kind of masculine or feminine element being showcased that's drag to me doesn't matter who you are doing Mm. it how, how you um uh define yourself how you uh whatever your gender um is or what you're born as like whatever it is as long as there's a some kind of showcase of feminine or masculine energy Mm. in how you perform that's drag yeah and i think there is where we're going to go to our breaks everyone can ponder that while they hear an ad for i don't know maccas or whatever Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. And we're back. I still have Geneva sitting across from me. And when we went to break, we were talking about like these heightened elements of masculinity and femininity and what it is or isn't to be on stage in drag. One place that I think you've really smashed down all almost, well, I'm going to say every single wall of what a performance should or shouldn't be is in split lip and in, in these incredible performances you do to spoken word lip syncs. Can you tell us a little bit about that, that process for you? Yeah, so I've always been... I was I think the first time I saw Striker Maya do a spoken word lip sync performance, I was in awe. I was like, mm. whoa. And that is a level that I'm still I think I'm still trying to reach because it is pure perfection. It's what like they based do. in like uh verbatim theatre, which is just like so old school and like yeah. it's, it's super cool. Um I think there's such a I love spoken word lip sync so much and when you see it done well, mm. it is like it's the most satisfying thing to me. Like that's a compilation of satisfying, I would say, like just perfectly executed <laughs> spoken word lip syncs. I love it. But um, so I had done pieces here and there over the years. And then the idea came about, um, I was talking to my, you know, very, my best friend, Dean Minsdale about, so at the time I was having issues with um, 
the idea of putting together another group show and then they suggested to me, why don't you do a solo show? You could do a solo show just based on spoken word lip syncing. And I asked, yeah, but could I sustain an audience for an hour? <laughs> and they said, you could. Mm. And that was enough motivation to be like, wow, okay, yep, I'm going to go for it. Then the curation of getting all the spoken word lip sync numbers that I've had in the past and I kind of mm. put it together. It's like, how can I fit this together? What's the transition look What's like? A, and it kind of went from, okay, these could be characters. Okay, there could be personalities. There could be multiple personalities. Dissociative identity disorder. And then it sort of took on this more personal kind of story and I was, you know, I got a bit more uh, vulnerable than I had expected in the show, but I guess mm. that works in the favour of its point. And, um, yeah, I think vulnerability is the most powerful thing in terms of performance and it, um, yeah, it kind of came from a, like, you know, with spoken about lip syncing, I have a very ADHD photographic memory. Mm. I guess, you know, I guess it's the idea of doing something that I know I'm good at. Yeah. I know I'm really good at spoken word lip syncing. I know mm. I'm really good at memorizing. I know I'm very good at having my Rolodex of references. Yeah. I may, I'm sometimes not very good at articulating a vision to someone, especially when it comes to like rehearsals or brainstorming sessions or whatever. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. But I could give that person like five different references and they immediately know what I'm trying to say <laughs> yes yeah. so it's basically all those attributes that I know I'm good at and I placed it in this kind of one show and um I think the other motivation why I wanted to do this show is because um we were talking earlier that um off microphone that um I think drag in mainstream culture gets treated as a novelty mm, still we did yeah you know even with the popular even with the popularity of like drag race yeah. and, and mainstream it's still like not legitim like drag performance is not legitimized as a, a serious art form. Yeah. Because you know you still I still go to the you know drag events and even recently went to the Court Hotel and there's you know my drag friends performing on stage and I'm mm. in the audience and then there's like twenty something year old girls next to me basically holding up messages on their phone trying to show the drag performers as they're performing uh do a death drop oh my god and it's like oh just it's that oh like, yeah. it's real okay the entire culture has been like whittled down to three references and yeah. that's it yeah or in in a i don't know if i would call it conservative commercial spaces so like uh, what cha so, channel seven <laughs> oh no yeah exactly like say like okay because i can talk about short brief experience about my Australia's Got Talent yeah. <laughs> moment. So I just done Split Lip for the first year mm. and I was like, oh, you know, well, I could do a spoken word lip sync piece for my audition because, you know, oh I, God, got, I got all these accolades. I know I'm not crazy. I'm not, I don't think I'm going to be portrayed as the delusional auditioner because I've already been recognized in the industry as it being an award-winning yeah. piece. One award straight off the bat. Like exactly. obviously there's something there. Yeah. So I thought, okay, I'll do a spoken word lip sync. And think about the history of, like, Got Talent. Normally, you're only legitimized as a drag performer if you can sing. Mm. If you lip sync or you dance, they think you're a joke. Yeah. Or they kind of go, oh, but you're not really singing. You're just lip syncing. Anyone can do that. Yeah. So by having that mindset, not everyone can do spoken word lip sync. Mm. And, mm -hmm. you know, you can, I've seen, tick, you know, you've got the TikTokers who do it. But it's like, it, it's... There's more to actually putting on, you know, the yeah. right character and doing it and live is different. And doing it live, it's very yeah. 
there's a lot of elements that can go wrong and you could be a millisecond off your timing and then the whole illusion's gone. Mm-hmm. So I thought, okay, this could be my audition. And then I got to a you know, certain point and then I end up, you know, going to Sydney to do the live or the, to do the filming of the audition. And it was a 13 hour day in Jesus. drag. Um, and seeing all the auditionees before me and, you know, it's, there's so much influence from the producers on what to say and how mm, to say it. They mm. really wanted me to be that, you know, stereotypical, like, yes, mama. Mm-hmm, oh, they really wanted me to do all that crap in my interview. And I'm like, no, I'm not doing that because this is not, like, I'm not here to perpetuate the stereotype that drag is a novelty that is. Mm, okay, it's, that is going to be a great bumper for their trailer. Yeah. Like, that's like not no, I'm not, that's not my thing. Yeah. Um, but then as I did my audition and then I got X'd off mm-hmm. by everyone. And then hearing the judges' comments. <laughs> oh, God. One in particular was so effing patronising. Oh, God. She was, and, you know. Mm. <laughs> yeah, her. We can all guess, yeah. Yeah, you can. Uh, yeah. So she was like, oh, yeah, you know, I love doing spectacular lip syncing too. I love doing full house. Can you do some full house? Oh, my God. That's so, like, I'm just think myself like, shut the fuck up. <laughs> It's anyway, so funny. But then after the fact, you know, I had the executive producer, as I'm getting demiked, yeah. executive producer comes up to me and he's like, I really loved your audition. Thank you so much. He really went out of his way to kind of say thank you. I'm like, okay. That was... Then um, the thing is when you actually watch things being aired, each time they film, they film like 30 different auditions per, yeah. se- per section. Mm. But on TV, you're only seeing like an eighth yeah. So even so, they film so many getting in and so many getting exed. Mm. Doesn't mean they show all of them, and not everyone that gets filmed getting in don't actually go in. Yes. Yeah. Until they get aired. So I was lucky enough to get exed off and get aired. Yeah. Or was I? Uh, <laughs> so I don't know. <laughs> so then I watched it, and it was like, okay, this isn't totally bad. You know, they had Manu said, oh, you know, it was a little bit strange, but I kind of liked it. <laughs> They didn't have everyone like booing me or yeah. like doing that whole thing. Yeah. They just saw me as creepy and I walked off. Thanks everyone. Bye. And I was like, okay, that was the most pleasant bad audition I've ever seen on television. <laughs> and I think it was because of, the, I, don't, I don't know why. Maybe because they could, I feel like they just couldn't define you as one thing or another thing because at the beginning you didn't give them that like, uh, what could be in queer culture, we just see it as like, that's just the way people talk. But that way in, I think, I'm going to say conservative TV land, is seen as arrogant. Yeah. You didn't give them any of that bumper material nope. for them to create a character of you being this arrogant performer. So what could they give you more than just like mid? Yeah, <laughs> and I think they were really trying to, um, yeah, they, they were just trying to cre- produce me. Mm. Um, but then, you know, even after I got x staff and there was, I think they were, they were, in trying to encourage the judge to say patronizing things to me in order for me to get give a reaction. Mm, yeah. It's like, no, I'm just going to sit, you know, stand there, smile, and, you know, because I'm not going to give them that because I know what they're trying to do. Mm. And that's why, you know, I think they needed something because I know that I was there for a purpose because totally. um, uh, Eva Destruction, a drag performer in the US who was on Dragula, mm. she also auditioned for... America's Got Talent, and I know that I was the Australian version of her audition because yeah. they even used the same Ghostbusters theme for our, like, pack. Oh my 
gosh, it's like they don't want. It's literally verbatim song. the exact <laughs> yeah. same like thing. Like a creepy drag queen can fit into this thing, so we can. Mm. So it's a leeway into featuring the main audition that they're wanting to showcase as being, you know, the one that got in. Yeah, it's really interesting the way yeah. that um, the way that those structures are put in place, and still really good. Like even though it wasn't a successful audition, to continue to challenge those people, I feel like if we don't put ourselves in front of them, then they're just going to continue to whitewash the same exactly. garbage over and over exactly. again. Exactly, and so. Circling back to split lip. Yes. <laughs> it's, and, and spoken word lip syncing. Yeah. I think spoken word lip syncing brings the art of drag to its most pure form. What are we as drag artists? We're lip syncers, mm. first and foremost. Mm-hmm. And I think the way I wanted to showcase that is through such a serious theatrical um, presentation that, you know, pays tribute to you know, Ash Baroque and Striker Meyer and Lip Sinker and mm. Dickie Bow that, are, you know, have been the pioneers in trying to legitimise Spoken with Lip Sync in drag in more of a serious art form. And I think it's such a new, it's being, you know, it's, uh, it's capturing a new audience. Mm, and mm-hmm. I think people are looking at drag now with this show. It's kind of like, oh, I've never seen a presentation like this. I've seen spoken with lip syncing in drag clubs, but not in a very serious dramatical format where someone's talking about or you know, quote unquote talking about the, <laughs> um, you know, issues of mental health and trauma and mm. abuse and addiction and all of that. And yeah. Um, Recontextualizing and giving a new spin on the words of other people is something that we've done for years yeah. too like that's not a new concept yeah. like you just look at the way people reinterpret like laws and reinterpret like ideas and concepts from people who are no longer with us like that's kind of what you're doing when you take a piece of spoken word by somebody who like they've said it but you're now going to like recontextualize it give it a maybe the same perspective maybe a new perspective and there's something so cool exactly about that. exactly that's what i love about you know creating these pieces and mm. seeing other, it's you know um yeah, it's it's adding it. It's adding a context that wasn't there, mm-hmm. or reiterating a context that is there, or you know, it's the fact that I'm able to kind of you know for certain scenes that I've edited together, it's all like teen films. <laughs> yeah, and they're basically telling the story for me, so that even if you don't know the references that I'm pulling from, it's comprehensive enough that you can kind of understand. It could be anybody saying this, but yes. you get the point of what's going on because it's. Because it's you saying this. Yeah. And that's the whole point. Yeah. Or, or, or in turn, it could be anyone saying this. It could be, yeah. like, that's why anyone in the audience can resonate with the story. Mm. Because it's not necessarily about me. I don't go into details about specifically what trauma has happened to me. Mm. I'm the embodiment of trauma as a whole so that anyone can kind of insert themselves into the experience of what I'm going through rather than going through the details of oh, yeah. So if I went into too much detail about what I went through, like, very specifically, mm. then it wouldn't resonate with everyone because like, oh, this isn't my story. Yeah. But having multiple voices sort of just use you as like a conduit. It's everyone. It it suddenly encompasses everyone and that's something really cool about that. And you can hold people in there for 60 minutes doing something that is alternative and that's super cool. Yeah. Um, I'm going to move away from all of the amazing things you've done because I could chew both your ears off about it just forever and ever and ever. And we could get in too much inside the actor's studio about yeah, like yeah, every yeah. single yeah, element. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I'm going to go to my favorite part of the show, which is to talk about the local scene. Because I am a big fan of Perth, but I know that we can always do better. Um, so yeah, let's start and I've with... got a lot to say. Oh, I'm sure you been, I've been do. waiting for a moment to kind of like, hey, you know what, I've had, you know, I've had a lot of opinions about certain things mm-hmm. and... I tell my 
close in a circle about them. But now I'm at a point where I'm kind of like, no, I think I want to say what I want to say. Yeah. Well, so, <laughs> this is it. Sarah Barella, say what you want to say. Yeah. <laughs> um, um, so let's start with the goodies. What are we loving about the Perth scene at the moment or in the past? Um, huh, well, I do love, like, there's, you know, a lot more diversity mm-hmm. now and mm-hmm. variety. Yeah. A lot more variety. Um, Perth has always been known for being, and this is the thing, like, you know, I'm reiterating what, um, Dean said in their podcast, yeah. like, Perth has a lot of variety. It's very diverse. It's the isolation can be its greatest weapon and its greatest enemy. Mm. Because if you even, like, I compare it to, like, burlesque as well. I think Fringe World is the main proponent of why drag and burlesque have kind of intersected very yeah. well. Yeah, for sure. And... You know, it's now drag performers doing burlesque and burlesque performers incorporating drag elements mm, into their, yeah. you know, um, their genre that it's now like draglesque. <laughs> yes. With, you know, it's now like it's what Perth is most known for with performers like, you know, Scarlett Adams and mm. um, others. <laughs> <laughs> Liberty genre is in yeah, um, burlesque happening in yep. a few weeks. Yeah. Um, you know, and performers like Sugar De Jour that yes. incorporate a lot of campy drag elements into their burlesque mm-hmm. performance. It's... it's you know, um, and it was even um, at the time I was doing, uh, we were curating the um, Best of Fringe extravaganza kind of casting mm. and we're looking at all the different um, burlesque acts that kind of brought, all the ones that were from Perth were so conceptual. Mm. Everyone else from other states and other countries are very traditional. Yeah. Whereas Perth is very much like, it's, we, we don't get influenced by much outside of our own bubble. <laughs> That's true. Of like, oh, everyone's doing this. We need to do this. Like, no, we're doing our own thing. Yeah. Because in turn, like Dragon Burlesque, we have to be we have to be versatile. Mm-hmm. Because there are so many, actually, there are so few venues and gigs. We have to be able to do every single genre, song, mm-hmm. style, horror, campy, pretty, yeah. all of it. We have to do everything. Like even with me, I know I can do the. Fem- more feminine t- style drag. Sure, if I yeah. need to, if I'm getting hired for it, I can do it. Yeah. You're going to pay me, I'll do whatever it's you want. It's not my go-to, but I'll do it. Yeah, for sure. But, um, yeah, I think that's what I like. It's, it's especially with, you know, um, the, um, you know, with the lockdown and the Black Lives Matter movement and everything mm-hmm. kind of like coming to light with, um, you know, uh, the especially the, the past racist things that have happened in the drag community and, 100%. you know, it's, it's coming to... I'm so glad that that all came to light because, yeah. you know, it's given us a chance to reflect and get, given others a chance to forgive mm. and to move on and become better so that we can have more platforms of diversity and range and variety mm. that I don't think will be going back to what it was. God, I hope not. Yeah, I don't but what's think, happening I think now we're too so far much cooler. past that point yeah. that we're not going to go back. Yeah, for sure. And making sure that those opinions and attitudes stay there. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, and for sure. if ever it rears its ugly head, we'll call it out and, yeah. Squish, squash, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. All right, let's do the fun bit. What are, what would we like to see improve? Not what are we hating, not here to, like, just shit on people forever, although that can be a lot of fun, um, but, like, what can we improve on? Um, drag, uh, drag, I just want to be able to, drag education. Explain. There's, okay, so 
I could break down how the scene works in, from my point of view. Oh, of course. Basically. I wouldn't, I'd never so ever talk from somebody so else's. Normally, <laughs> so I'm going to set up for this. Oh, so oh, we like that. Basically, yeah. when you start drag, if you want to start drag in Perth, mm-hmm. you do the amateur drag nights at Connections yep. for um, a dragathon or a drag factory at the Court Hotel. Yep. Two you're places you're allowed to go. You're yeah. Two, <laughs> two places and, and um, a cherry bomb. Yeah. So you basically do two songs of whatever you're choosing is, and then you're judged on audience approval. Mm-hmm. Good old clap meter you know, yeah. clap And then, you know, not even going into the thing of, like, you know, there could be renter crowds. Yeah, Basically, true. you know, you say, oh, everyone, all oh, my friends group, come to Drag Factory, I'm going to be performing. And just by having more numbers in the audience yeah. means that you have more chance of winning. Mm-hmm. But then is it a legitimate thing of, like, you know, you're, and that's the thing I don't like about, you know, it's a good way to do it for the motivation of just trying things out. Oh, totally, yeah. But a lot of times the drag performers are using that as a gauge in whether or not they're doing the right thing. Whether or not they're drag Or on the right worthy, track. Yeah. But the moment you start to depend on the audience's approval to validate what you're doing, mm. you're going to be dependent on that opinion forevermore and yeah. you're never going to be able to make your own decisions because your decision is based on will people, will like, people me? like it. And yeah. then in turn, the audience can change their mind like that. And do, frequently. And they do. And so <laughs> Drunk you're, you're, people and are so, not reliable. And so you're never, ever going to be able to be satisfied because they're not satisfied. Mm-hmm. That's why you, you kind of get in this rut. Yeah. But then then there are, you know, competitions that come along, which is like um, Crown of the Court and um, Pop Royalty, mm-hmm. which, you know, you get judged by your peers, yep. you know, like drag performers that have been in the game for a long time and burlesque artists and yeah. comedians and whoever, you know, is on the panel. Are they considered to be – so, like, in the burlesque world, I'm pretty across, like, okay, I know that Apprentice is considered to be for beginners, MBWA is considered to be for people who are more established in the scene. Are both of these competitions considered, quote-unquote, newbie comps? Like, where do they sit? Um, it, Yeah, kind of. I mean, like, say with the exception of, like, you know um, – Crown of the Court All-Stars. Of course, yeah, that makes sense. Um, I guess that was for more the experienced ones who have been in the game for, like, I guess three-plus years. Okay, yeah. But, um, yeah, more or less it's, you know, Crown of the Court and Crown of the Court's more or less open to everyone. Okay, awesome. Um, Pop Royalty, I think, I'm not exactly sure how it goes, but oh, you, don't um, have to you, know. <laughs> up, you, you know, apply for interest and then Barbie kind of curates the... Ah, uh, awesome, the, yeah. ...the, the, the line-up. Um, yeah, it, it, it's more or less open to everyone, I, yeah, I would say. Cool. But again, it's all we've got. <laughs> True, um, yeah. But then the thing is, the issue with these competitions, a lot of positives and negatives, but positive is that there's a fairer judging system mm. to a degree. Okay. It's not based on a port- uh, audience approval. Yeah. It's a scoring system. Mm-hmm. There's categories of like, you know, charisma and costume mm-hmm. and stage presence and song choice and hair and makeup and blah 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 you know mm-hmm. um but then in terms of the judges feedback if you are a particular drag performer with a particular style giving a particular sort of viewpoint of a feedback it may not be it may not be you know like for me i couldn't have someone say to me you need to fix your makeup, you need to do It's like, because that doesn't That's apply not, to me. Yeah, yeah. The, the critique, if polish isn't your brand, how yeah, are you the critiques to need it? to be, I feel like the critiques need to be more broad mm, in, mm-hmm. I would, like, 
for, that's why I go back to like I care more about how someone performs, not necessarily what they look like. Yeah, yeah. Like if you can't even do that, if you can't like learn your words, if you can't connect with me, mm. for, you know, to the audience, if you can't do an interesting take on a song we've heard a thousand yeah, times. Like yeah, like just you know, that's what I care about. Yeah, but I feel like the the competitions lack that sort of creative uh, uh, nurturing and building. Because uh, again, like yeah. the winners, the like you know, if you look at the you know, I would say if you look at the past winners. Mm-hmm. Being one yourself, yeah. Being one myself. Like, there's only few that have been regular performers at these venues. Yes, okay. And the only reason why the ones that are regular is because they fit the genre of those venues and the ah, queens that, that perform there. All right. Yeah. Um, which is a shame because, you know, it's, it, yeah, I get it. Mm. You know, you have to be, be a certain style and, but then. You've got to make your buck, yeah. But then. You know, for those who, you know, spend so much time and energy and money in getting into these competitions and then they win and then they're not getting hired or they mm. – and then it's like it, it's deflating. You mm. kind of go like, well, what's the point in even doing it if I've won the biggest competition ever and then I'm not even getting hired for regular work? Yeah. But then, yeah, I think there's a lack of – so there's a lack of platforms, mm. I think, as well. Mm-hmm. Um. Shout out Cherry Bomb and Galara and yeah. Frio who are which, really trying which, their hardest. Which, again, are different. great. Yeah. But in the opposite of, I think, Crown, uh, uh, Crown of the Court and Pop Royalty can be very critical of a particular sort of style of drag. Mm-hmm. Cherry Bomb has so... It's lacking so much in um, criticism. Ah, in terms okay, of, in terms yeah. of like Criticism and critique of performances. Mm, because it's it's very much like... If you were to make a comment or a critique about some, you know, like constructive criticism about someone's performance, it's mm-hmm. like, oh my god, that is the most personal attack you. I cannot believe you would say that about me. It's like it's not about you. It's about your drag and your performance. Like, <laughs> and so yeah, I think there's just there needs to be more platforms and yeah. nurturing of platforms and scenes so that you know because there's no point in hating, not not hating. There's no point in having. Uh, complaints about, you know, the punctuality of a drag performer, not wearing the right certain thing to a gig, mm. all these certain attributes that, uh, you know, that over time you learn are staples that you need to have as a drag performer, yeah. you know, in terms of professional thing. But if you're not going to pass on that information to the new people, how the hell are they going to know? Yeah, it's a how do we do, how do we basically have a school for drag without falling into the traps that institutionalised learning often Ha, you know, often has like you think of all of the performance art based institutions, they are full of cracks and holes and are yep. incredibly problematic in their own way. So, how do we give a welcoming and inviting space for education without having the institutional problems yeah, and without having a bias on certain mm, styles? 100%. Yeah. And that's what I think is lacking in the scene overall. Like, is, yeah. I think there are many of us that have, I'm trying to do that with my, you know, Spit Shine program. And I've been, mm. I'm currently doing that right now with, um, like six performers yeah and the way i'm doing it is basically you can you can be whatever style of drag you know whatever style of drag you are mm. it's breaking down okay this is how i create a spoken word lip sync piece you can this is how you source your material this is how you put it together da, 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 so that you can use those skills and traits to whatever song you're doing whatever style you're doing 
that helps you become a better performer mm. that, mm-hmm. you know, the bare minimum of what you need for getting hired for a variety show or a fringe show or anything that's at industry level. Yeah. You can take with you. Totally. And in turn, everyone's happy because then it means, oh, everyone's at a certain level that I can hire them for a connection show or a court hotel show or mm. one of my shows or, yeah. you know, corporate the, gigs yeah, or burlesque the, shows. Yeah. Like, I just want the bare minimum. <laughs> and I need, and, but we need to be able to pass on the information of the bare minimum without being like, yeah. oh, she's she's just, I can't believe she's late. Oh, I'm never going to hire her. And it's like, well, how's she going to know if you don't tell her? Stop being late because these are the reasons why. Yeah, and how do you set those standards if you if the information's never been passed on? Like if you're new to the queer community, if you're freshly 18 and you haven't been exposed to the nightlife before because how else would you have acted? Like, yeah, been in like, it? <laughs> what are you supposed all to these, do? All these young kids, these 18-year-olds, you know, they have such ego. Everyone who's 18 has, has ego. ego. <laughs> oh, my God, yeah. <laughs> Then you learn to, you know, shut it down. Yeah, you're hum- you like it's, you know, it's a balance of, hu- you know, I know, balance of humbling them, or and realizing that you're not, you're not the shit. You're just sort like of the shit. Same, you know, like it's not just about, you know, because they're in the mind, you know, the young people are in the minds of like this is the sort of drag that will get me far. No, not necessarily, mm. because again, like it could be the best performer ever, but if your attitude stinks, you're not getting hired either. Yeah, but where are you supposed but to again, learn? How that? are you supposed yeah. to learn that? Like it's yeah, there needs to be. For those who have, you know, I'm putting it out there. For those who have, I even said this at the Proud Awards yeah. when I won my award. If you have platforms and powers of influence, mm. more workshops, more passing on the knowledge of what you know in drag, in makeup, in performance, in editing songs, in wig styling, costume making, mm-hmm. dancing, workouts, lighting tech, everything, whatever information, photo shoots, whatever you have to pass yeah. on the knowledge to the young ones to get them ready to your standard of who you want hired. Yeah. Then you only have to blame yourself. Yeah, well I mean it's something that Burlesque does do really well is that there are we have so many incredible schools and so many workshops running all the time that the information is circulating yeah. and is getting passed on. If we can do that in drag, there's no way That's the thing. I'm, know I'm, how that's why I was so surprised yeah. like you know there's so many workshops with Burlesque. Yeah. Like drag does not have one mm. at all. Yeah. No, I know that Barbie's doing, you know, her, um, her, you know, dance boot camp stuff, which is yeah, that's you know, so cool, yeah, like great start, but more, more all the time. There needs to be a lot more <laughs> from other people. Yes, too. from so many incredible artists. I haven't had that opinion yet, and that is so interesting. Yes, because we have these space, like we have, like you know, these spaces during yeah. the day. What are they getting used for? Totally, like yeah. rehearsals for other stuff. Like, like, come on. Yeah, let's use them. Let's like use all of the spaces that we've got to empower and create the next generation that we want yeah, to see. Because then imagine yeah. like, you know, because the fact that, you know, tie in the fact that Perth drag is so different and kooky and crazy. Yeah. And so so diverse and it's variety and range and everything. Imagine applying, uh, applying the skill set, the bare minimum skill set of like putting together a media kit and a lighting tech and <laughs> yes. all the other stuff. And then, you know, they basically go, oh, I'm, I'm going to go to Brisbane. I'm going to go to Melbourne. I'm going to go to Sydney. I'm going to go to Edinburgh. And then it's like mm. Perth will have the best drag yeah. reputation, not only of like how skilled we are, you know, how how creative we are, but also how like professional and skilled we are. That like, you know, we're at a level we can inf- infiltrate any yeah. space. Any space and any scene and, and own it. everyone has the wealth of knowledge. Yes. I love that. I think that like, that is such a positive and empowering message. 
um, which I think is at the core of a lot of the work, all the work that you do. So we do have to wrap up, but I do want you to tell us where everybody can find you because you're about to head off overseas. Yes. Um, so a few events that I'm, I want to just quickly plug. Yes, before. plug so, every plug away. Um, I'm going to hang out. You plug. Okay, so um, uh, Geneva's Messy Friends, uh, our, you know, lovely little family fringe show. Uh, we're having our UK international debut. So exciting. Uh, at uh, Assembly. <sighs> the venue is Piccolo at Assembly George Square Gardens. This thing all off the top of your head is iconic. <laughs> yeah, well, it's, I've, been, I've been kind of in the yeah. moments of like, you know, because we only just announced it when we're, when we're recording, so we only announced it like last week. Yeah, so it's just like sitting there. Yeah, like <laughs> it's getting the photo shoots together and then all the, oh, you know, registrations ready and then the tech, it's like, it's... it's <laughs> It's like great. Months and months it's of so our, like, great. It's, We're really <laughs> yeah. But yeah, so um, that'll be um, yeah, uh, Edinburgh Fringe, second uh, of August till the twenty seventh, and then I'm also doing um, Split Lip there. Hell yeah! And then Skyscraper's also doing Life and Times um, of a Drag Queen Accountant there. Um, and then just before we go away to Edinburgh, um, even as I'm recording this, this hasn't even been announced yet. Oh, scoop. So um, but it'll probably be out by the time this Yeah, it probably out. will be. <laughs> Not um, scoop. <laughs> I'm celebrating Gender Mess's 10th anniversary with a, an event called Stain. Oh, my God. And it's going to be at the Recobite on the 1st of July, Saturday. Hell, yeah. Rooftop and main hall. Uh, nine till two in the morning. There's... Ah. Um, not all the performers and DJs have been confirmed yet, but there's um, five DJs have been confirmed with another six to be confirmed. So it's going to be a full, Iconic. like, yeah, it's going to be so good. you know, full dance, you know, nightclub event with, you know, group performances, solo performances, rooftop, main hall, music, oh projections. So I set a really it's high a bar. Whole, <laughs> this is great. All, you know, if you've ever seen the performances at, you know, that we've done at Outer Body or Fringe over the last 10 mm-hmm. years, then we're going to be bringing those, like, you know, key good ones back. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Having, what having a great a, send a off party. Yes. Amazing. And people will be able to find out more about that on your Instagram page. Is that at gender mess? Yeah. Is so, there an underscore um, if in you there? follow um, at gender mess on Instagram for all the more or less gender mess type stuff and stain, but we have um, messy friends, the show mm-hmm. for um, just Geneva's messy friends content. Yeah. Cool. Amazing. Um, and then one more thing. Yeah. Um, the Spitshine Workshop Showcase will be sometime in July. But again, follow those Instagram accounts. But yes, follow the Instagram accounts for all the de- yeah. updates and details. Because that's that. also going to be iconic because that is literally doing, you know, practicing what you are preaching, passing it on to the next generation. Um, all of those links are going to be in our show notes. And as always, if you like this podcast, maybe you can like us on literally what app are you listening to right now? Scroll down, like us there, leave a comment. I'll wait. Great. Thank you so much. <laughs> <laughs> or you can send us a question to waexposepod at gmail.com and I'll ask our next incredible guest. Thank you so much for joining Thank me today. You. This is so camp. You're welcome. Thank you. WA Expose is an independent production. Our artwork was created by Georgia Sassenfeld and our theme music is Corrosive by Aria Scarlett and M. Burrows. You can find out more about the podcast or live shows at ariascarlett.com forward slash WA Expose. The, trying to word it right. <laughs> like, There's no right. <laughs> the, hmm. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, 
Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.